Fantastic. Uh, welcome, everybody, and good evening. Um, no need to adjust your screens. Max has not had uh, a change of identity over the, the weekend. He has very kindly uh, allowed us to use his platform whilst he was tied up at another event. But welcome to the February um, edition of Women in Food and Farming. Um, my name's Kirsty. Some of you will have seen me at other WIF um, events. Today, we will be joined by Christine Takon and uh, a number of MDS trainees as we talk about networking um, at different stages of your careers, how it feels and that what tips we have for people coming into um, networking sessions, no matter what their experience. Christine, would you like to join me on screen? Hello, Christine. Hi. Thanks for joining us again as your, your usual place, uh, forefronting with. And, and, a and a different background today. We're, we haven't quite got it right, but we are, um, we've got a new women in food and farming. Um, um, and I've managed to get the webinar background, but it's cut off at both sides. But don't worry, we're learning. And we're, um, we, we've got a draft website. So this is a bit of practice to see how it's working. And soon I'll be able, we will have a library of all of these talks and uh, the uh, and, you know, easy joining and us to be able to sort of, you know, spread our network and really get ourselves going. Absolutely. It's really exciting. And hopefully all the things that we've been wanting to do over the last couple of years with allowing other uh, female focused industry events promote their events on our site and really becoming um, that community. That leads quite nicely, actually, Christine, for those who haven't heard of WIF or haven't joined us in one of our sessions before, do you just want to give a little explanation about what Women in Food and Farming is? Yeah, well, we, I can't remember how many years we've been going now, it's probably about 15 now, um, and it was just a, a, a group of, of us, um, I have to say, sort of senior women in the industry, uh, realising that, uh, you know, we, we don't really do much together and we aren't good at networking, and we decided that we would um, get together and meet and each of us bring two people that none of the other people would know. And the only way that worked was to go young. And I think ever since then, we've been really, really focused on making sure that we get younger people in, in the network and it's their opportunity to meet other women in the industry. And I think for so many of us that have been in the industry a while, we're just used to being at meetings and being the only woman around the table or the only woman on the farm. And uh, I just think it really helps to meet other people who've been going through the same thing, not to feel you're alone. And also to talk about some of the, problems and issues that you've had but it's also been a place where people have found mentors have been able to just go up and ask somebody about a, a business issue and actually there's a few people have even found jobs through it so uh, we used to meet up three times a year in London during Covid we went virtual and ended up with monthly talks but uh, we did have a get together last September and it was it was wild. It really went down well. And everybody said, look, let's get back to meeting in person again. So we've got a couple of in-person events scheduled for later this year, one in April and one in September. And we've just got so much support from the industry because Savills give us their rooms to meet for free. England Marketing have offered to do all of this website work. We've um, got some exciting sponsors who've offered to pay for website hosting. I should, probably shouldn't announce just yet, but just we're just really at the start of thinking, right, people seem to want to help us, so let's try and make some more of it. But I've got a big focus, and both our April and September events, we've got a sponsor to make sure that people under 30 can come for free. 
Yeah. And that's always really exciting to encourage those young careers and help them find connections. It's not all about mentorship. It is just about that connection and gaining advice and insight from other people. Uh, we're also joined today by uh, the MDS trainees. And I'll just pop my MDS hat on briefly. So for those of you who don't know about MDS, we are a training and development provider for people who are looking to fast track a career within the food, horticultural and uh, agricultural industry. We provide a range of development programs. Uh, traditionally, it was just a graduate scheme. Last year, we launched two non-graduate programs, but they're all based on the same ethos in that giving people exposure and insight into the industry Will help them find their best fit and we like to encourage and make sure that we are getting the leaders of the future we're also benefiting our member businesses that work with us by helping them um, work with a consistent stream of highly talented capable individuals who are looking for those long-term careers in the industry so i'm just going to briefly ask our trainees who have um, volunteered their time here today to pop their screens on and I'm going to get them to introduce themselves um, and just tell you a little bit about what they're currently doing before we move on to Christine talking about her networking experiences to date. So Katie, do we, should we start with you? Okay, yeah. Hi, my name's Katie. Um, I'm currently on my third comment at MDS and my current comment is at Cheese Group as an ethical compliance officer. Fantastic, thank you. And Holly? Hello, so my name's Holly Ells and I'm on my fourth secondment with MDS. I'm currently with Syngenta based out in Basel and I work within the sustainable farming team for Europe, Africa and the Middle East. Okay. Uh, Francesca. Hi, I'm Francesca. I'm also based in Basel with Holly, working for Syngenta on my second secondment as a product biology trainee. Fantastic. And Harvey. Hello, Harvey here. I'm in my third secondment at British Sugar, working in the logistics department. Thank you. And last but not least, Arunima. Hiya, I'm Arunima and I'm currently at NIAB, part of their Growing Kent and Medway team as a communications and events officer. Thank you very much. And we'll be hearing more about our trainees as they discuss uh, their networking experiences as part of their, their early careers, um, how they found it in different businesses um, and some of the, the, the fears and learnings that they've had um, through doing it. Um, but for now, I'm going to pass you over to Christine. Christine, you're going to talk to us, aren't you, about your experiences with networking and maybe some of the preconceived ideas people have about you as a networker. Indeed, yeah. So um, all the MDS trainees, you can turn your videos off now. I, I, so I, can, I won't get distracted if I see you're not listening to me. Um, but I also wanted to um, to say, actually, I, I've just I just got a letter in the post today, and I had the postmark on. It's Nat National Apprenticeship Week this week, so it's a fantastic opportunity to have this with uh, with all of our MDS trainees who are all doing a level five apprenticeship in leadership and management. So they are all apprentices as well. But yes, um, I, I I'll just go straight in. But uh, my my first sort of real experience of of network. Kirsty, you're still the main picture on my screen. Is that going to change? Uh, well, you're the main picture on mine. So I'm okay, okay, so that's just mine. Then. That's good. <laughs> no, I don't really want to look at myself anyway. Uh, my first experience of, of networking was I was um, I was trying to work out. I think I was 33. And I'd already spent sort of six years working at Mars Confectionery. I'd spent three years as an engineer working in both um, Germany and the UK. 
and I'd also worked for a large uh, computing business. So I felt I was a reasonably, I was a marketing director in a reasonably senior position. And the chief exec said to me, said, the trouble with you, Christine, is you're not a networker. I didn't really know what he meant, what he meant. And I had always thought networking was all the lads going down to the pub after work. And um, by that age, I had a baby. And the last thing I wanted to do when I'd finished work was to go out drinking with work colleagues. I just wanted to get home and uh, fight, fight as every mother does with this enormous guilt of not giving enough time to your children and, um, and also not giving enough time to work. So to my mind, networking was just something that got in the way of your work. And I, I think it took me a while. That, that really hurt as a comment. And, I, and I, as I thought about it and sort of understood more about what he was talking about, I realized that actually networking is very much part of the job and it isn't going down the pub and having a drink after work. It's getting to know other people in the industry and getting yourself to the point when if you're stuck, you feel quite able to talk to maybe an old colleague who now works for a competitor about an issue. So it's about having the confidence of knowing that there are people out there who maybe you've happened to meet once and you had a little chat about something where you can ring them up and ask them for help. So networking is really something that helps your business. And if you're not a networker, people will actually feel that there is some sort of disadvantage. You know, you're not learning, you're maybe not doing state of the art stuff. And so, since then, I think very much, and particularly when I went into the agricultural industry, um, I actively sought out conferences to go to and industry events. I always went on my own. If you go with a friend, you're going to chat to your friend. If you go on your own, you're going to have to walk up to strangers and make conversation. I felt really uncomfortable doing it. I did certainly not something I wanted to do. And I also used to put my, when people asked me if I would speak at events, rather than finding a good excuse not to, was finding a good excuse to do so and contacting events and saying, I would like to speak at this event. I've got a message to get across. So going very much more on the front foot, putting myself in situations where I didn't feel comfortable. And, and you know, some of the events I spoke to, I remember one very clearly at Harper Adams where I'd driven about two hours to get there. There were only three people in the audience. And I was spitting mad thinking, you know, I've, I've, that, this actually was an evening event. I've given up my time to come and do this. But of course, the people in the audience are the people who've made the effort. And in the end, I said, there's no point me doing a formal chat. Why don't we just sit around the table and have a discussion? And actually, it went very well. And I ended up enjoying it. But Whenever I went, I go to events and politicians do this all the time. They speak and they leg it because they don't want to have to speak to you. And I think hanging around afterwards and letting people come up to speak to you is a very important part of going to conferences. And if you are a speaker, let people feel that, that you're somebody that they can um, have a chat and, and, and you know, speak to. And I always, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do this naturally, I make myself do it, is remember to thank people for inviting me to something and saying it's a real pleasure to be here, even though I'm thinking, why did I come all this distance and is this really a good use of my time? Because that's just a very positive and it's a nice way of, in, of actually making the people who've gone to a lot of trouble to set that event up feeling grateful. One of the things I did at the start, and this is partly to give me my own confidence, um, um, and being one of the very few women in the farming industry, um, I started wearing really interesting shoes and um, people would come up to me and start conversations about my shoes. 
And I found this particularly useful when I was speaking to schools because nobody ever comes up and talks to you after a, that event. They all, you know, they, they all run away. But actually, I, and I actually have my shoe ready to show you. This is one of my shoes. I hope you hope you can you see that all right? Is it coming up okay on the video, Kirsty? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit in and out, but we can see it's a very interesting heel. It doesn't actually have a heel. Anyway, um, I, I, and people would, I actually call them my ice breaking shoes. And it's not about the fact that that very solid heel will stamp through ice. It's because it breaks the ice and people come and talk to me. And I'm not suggesting you all go out and particularly, um, um, particularly Harvey, go out and buy some interesting shoes, but just something that actually gets people talking. And my sister, who's much better at, at sort of just chatting to complete strangers than I, I ever was or never I have had a natural ability to, always told me to always ask people questions about themselves. She said everyone loves talking about themselves um, and, uh, you know, asking open questions like, why did you come to this conference or what are you looking forward to hearing about at this conference? Um, or like the Queen, which I haven't done, but you know, the Queen, she's always known for actually saying, have you come far? Just to open the conversation and allow people to, to talk about themselves. And of course, the other thing is when you ask these questions, make sure you listen because you can't ask the same questions next time if you meet them a few weeks later. Um, and I've had to learn to do this. Um, and, you know, I, I often sort of when you go into a room, you sort of got to seek out someone. I mean, my natural instinct would be, oh, I really need to speak to that person. I want to ask them about such and such. So I go straight up and say, I've been dying to speak to you. I want to ask, will you come and speak at my conference? Or, and actually, you've just got to, got to slow down and actually do the introductions and, and, and make it worth their while speaking to you as well as, as opposed to you just getting what you want from them. And uh, when, when people used to give out business cards, which I don't think they do so much anymore, if you've actually made a commitment that, oh, I will send you a link to that website, is actually to go and make a note to do it straight away. I used to write it on the back of the business card, but I suppose now um, it's probably best to just go and do it immediately. Because um, I think when you're just giving somebody a LinkedIn contact, you haven't made a note as to why you've met that person and what it is that you might have offered to do. So if you do meet somebody at an event and you say you'll follow something up, do because I can guarantee you that will start an email conversation when you send it to them and they'll write back and thank you for it and then you've already made that connection that you can then build on when it might be useful to you later in the future. Um, and I think I've done so much public speaking now that I actually worry when I don't get nervous because the adrenaline of public speaking focuses your mind. And particularly like when I was groceries code adjudicator, I was often giving the same talk many times over. And the adrenaline focuses your mind so much that you can remember exactly what you've already said. So you're keeping each one different, but you don't repeat yourself. Um, and so I do, I do think actually, if you feel nervous, don't let that get in the way. That is actually making you really focused. It's more dangerous when you don't feel, feel nervous. Um, and I know that uh, in my role at Red Tractor, there's really quite a lot of negative comments about it. There's some real vitriol on, on, on social media. And it would be very easy to think, oh, I don't want to go to any events because everybody's going to, get, going, going to be you know, aggressive. But I would say that in all of my time of going out and putting myself out in public places, that I can only remember one occasion when somebody was really nasty to me. I think most people are 
very good at very polite when they're speaking face to face and will raise the issues, but not in a manner that you that you get defensive, that you can actually listen. So I think particularly when you feel I don't want to go out and meet people because they get they get that, you know, that I'm going to be under attack. You won't be. You will get very useful feedback and it will be very nicely put. And the one time when somebody did have a go at me it was actually when I was running the co-op farms and we banned fox hunting on our land. And this was prior to, um, this is whilst it was still legal. And so I think actually history proved that we were in the right place on that one, but somebody was particularly nasty about that, but uh, it still hurts. But, um, you know, I, I feel retrospectively I was in the right. And we did actually at one of these WIF events, Kirsty, a, 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 an event where we had an in-person, so they weren't ever recorded, had somebody give us some tips on networking. And one of them I've remembered and I have used ever since. And that is always go up to groups with an odd number of people. And it will split and you will get in. If you walk up to two people and hang, that you will very, they're probably engaged in a conversation that they wanted to have and you will be a, 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 a nuisance, you'll be an interloper, and you might find you're standing there trying to speak to these people and they don't include you. If they're a group of three, almost by definition, one of them will be slightly left out and the group will split and you will fit in. And I've tried it and tried it and tried it and it always works, so look for the odd numbers. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I think, not sure if this is really relevant, but, um, when when I was when I stopped being a chief exec and was looking for roles on on boards, I was approached about a lot of roles that weren't paid for. One of them was governor of Harper Adams, another was a public member of Network Rail, another one was talking at a conference on opportunities from space, and another one was sitting on a committee called Living with Environmental Change. And all of these were not paid and I thought, why am I doing this? And I thought, it'll be good networking. I'm going to meet interesting people. It might be the right thing to do. And I can tell you that almost every single one of those things that I did that I just listed, I got a paid job from it. And particularly the living with environmental change, there was somebody on the, um, the, the, the Natural Environment Research Council and somebody working on the Met Office who both approached me when there were vacancies on their board and said, we'd like you to apply. And in both cases, I applied, went through the proper process and got a place on the board. So even network, you know, even sort of joining and doing things voluntarily is creating a network that may well lead to something of benefit to you. So I think my story is that I was very slow to realize how important networking is. And I also realized that, you know, within the farming industry, that it's very easy for a lot of women not to, not to network. They've got other priorities. And I think that the setting up the Women in Food and Farming Network as a way of trying to pull us together. And we honestly we have enormous fun at all of our, our in-person events and hopefully on, on these chats that we have as well. And we make it enjoyable and um, I hopefully it's a useful experience. And I think our WIF get-togethers are a very safe place for people to network um, and uh, you know, meet other people with, with, with similar views or not similar views in the industry and to discuss them freely. So I think that's really my experience of networking. I don't do it naturally, but um, I force myself to do it and I have, it pays back, pays back huge dividends. Thanks, Kirsty. Thanks very much, Christine. And you're absolutely right. The Women in Food and Farming events, they are what I would deem a safe networking event. You're not being plunged into the, the deep in 
deeper end. You're there because everybody wants to be there and everyone's got the same viewpoint and the same agenda in mind and that they, they just want to meet some interesting people and see what comes out of it. It's not one of those awful networking events where you go to a conference and you don't know anyone and everyone's they're trying to like cuddle maybe in their one or two groups that they've they've come with a friend and nobody wants to, to talk to each other. Um, Christina, I actually had a question for you that, that sort of sprang to my mind whilst you were talking. Now, obviously, you've had a, a fantastic, varied uh, career and you've held roles of real significant importance. And in my mind, that would make maybe going to a networking event easier because people want to come and, and speak to you. There's a, a purpose. Have you ever felt at any point in your career, oh goodness, why would that person want to, to talk to me? And how did you overcome that at all? Oh, you're, you're muted. What, what, you? Mean, you mean, why would, what, what, what do you mean, what person would want to come and speak to me? Were they <laughs> to ask me a question or just what, or what, what do you mean? Yeah, so in the, maybe in your earlier career, did you ever feel, oh, no one's going to want to, to talk to me. I'm oh, yes. significant to add to this because obviously at this stage, you've, you're lots of people. I had two, two or three people coming today to ask me how you were doing. Yeah, I, I think it, it's at both ends. I think when I started in my career, I was the one that was always pushing myself forward and interrupting these groups and and sort of pushing myself to get to get listened to. And I said, I think I've learned how to do that a bit more sensitively. But that was why I was at those events to meet people and get to get to know them. And then I think that when you become groceries code adjudicator, people are coming up to tell you about problems. So they're, they're basically, I am a servant in that respect. You know, as chair of Red Tractor, people come up to tell me why they think Red Tractor's not doing its job correctly. Um, so people come up to dump things on you so nobody <laughs> ever gets any any easier not many people come up so you know maybe maybe something like the Oxford Farming Conference people come up just to say oh how lovely to see you I think post-COVID actually there's been quite a lot of that but I think ge generally um, I, I find that people want to talk to me because they they want something or they want to learn something there must be that sweet ground somewhere in the middle where people just want to come and talk to you to, to say hello at some point, but they're not going to be uh, too costly. But that's what, your, that's what your social networks are for. We're talking about business networks. Like, you know, there, there is a difference between, the, difference between the two, but the skills are quite similar. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. It was really interesting to see somebody who, on the surface, looks like a fantastic network when it comes naturally to you, to hear that actually it's something that you really had to, to work in and, and learn about um, the benefits. So I'm going to ask the MDS trainees to turn their screens on for me now. There we go. Lovely to see you all again. Um, so what I want to sort of ask you guys about is your experiences. Obviously, you are at the, the very early stages of your networking opportunity over the, the fairly early stages of your um, careers. Um, so Francesca, just tell me, what was the latest uh, or the, the most recent networking event that you attended? The last one I attended actually was a women in food and farming event in London, which I was very lucky to be one of the under 30s who got to attend for free, which was very much appreciated. So I got to meet Christine there and it was a really great opportunity to kind of hear about the diversity of roles. MDS is a great introduction to that, but hear different people's career paths into the industry. Really gentle introduction. Good. And did you find it a, a welcoming um, event? 
yeah I think because it was my first one I was a bit nervous but having quite a welcoming environment and having the kind of start talks like these where it eases you in was really appreciated. Lovely thanks um, and Katie have you got have you attended a WIF event what was the, the most recent event that you attended? No I haven't been to a WIF event before um, but the most recent I was at a, in a conference in London to do with the work I'm doing at the moment it was a um, it was a conference about um, about compliance and there was loads of people um, from different industries there. There was a lot of banking. Um, there was someone that sold um, the charging units for electric cars. Um, so there was a really broad range of people that you could network with there. Yeah, and obviously going to a, an event like that where you're representing your the business that you're you're going with, how did you feel? Was there any additional pressure to that, or is it something that you feel quite natural about? Um, I, I probably admit actually. I think a lot of my networking experience has been, um, say, with internal networking of if I've been curious about finding out what someone does in a different department, and it's quite you know, self-instigated. Um, um, when this being an external thing and being a representation of a company is slightly different, I feel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit more sort of high stakes potentially, because you're like, yeah, exactly. do you ever feel like you could potentially say the, the wrong thing and you always feel maybe a bit cautious about what you're you're doing? Uh, well, too bad. I just try and take the attitude of being yourself and most of the time you can't do anything I'm doing that. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Arunima, you recently went to the Oxford Farming Conference, didn't you? How did you find that? And what were sort of the, the key messages you, you took away from the, that networking experience? Kirsty, can I just say, I don't think we can see the trainees. Are you able to spotlight the people when they're speaking? That's uh, fine. I think that's because I might have spotlighted you. Thank yes, you, you need to get me off. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I can see Arunima now. Let me just... There we go. Oh, okay. that will work. There we go. Oh, got a great view of myself now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Arunima, I was asking, you went to the Oxford Farming Conference recently. Um, so, how did you find it? And what was the, the biggest takeaway you had? Um, yeah, it was, it was really good. I think it was very interesting because I also kind of went with my member company hat on uh, as well, just because so many of the things they were talking about, like sustainable farming, um, a lot of stuff about bringing farming and science innovation together was really interesting. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway networking wise was it's, it's all right, just go and approach people um, because there were a lot of very big you know, there were there were the heads of DEFRA, there was the, you know, chief of this big company and that big company, but everyone was, you know, just willing to talk and everyone was just so invested in their businesses, in the sector. And so if you show that interest, it's very easy to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I found it a really valuable experience. So I wanted to thank MDS for the opportunity and highlighting that as well. Fantastic. Well, we're always happy for our trainees to attend these events. They're really useful and really sort of beneficial and giving you an insight to parts of the industry that maybe we're not able to provide you with. Um, and you went with a number of other trainees, didn't you? Did you find support um, in sort of bringing yourself to network with people or did you brave it and go alone at any point? 
Uh, yeah, so actually Harvey was one of the trainees there. Um, it was kind of useful to have someone to go with occasionally. So like if you wanted to, you might go in together and then find different people to talk to. So it was useful to have that sort of safety blanket in a way. But um, yeah, there were times where I just went on my own because you just ended up that way. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, I think as Christine said, it is, it is a bit more valuable because otherwise there is, I'm not a particularly social person, so it's very easy to go into that, oh, I'll just talk to someone I know and make it easier for myself. Um, but forcing yourself to go alone has the benefit of making conversation with people you might not have approached otherwise. Fantastic, thanks. Um, Harvey, what has, for you, has been the hardest thing you found um, about trying to network? Um, I suppose how to start the conversation initially. Um, once you get that first interaction out of the way, then most of the time it just flows. So um, it's trying to find a reason why to interrupt someone having a two-way conversation or that email that you sent. But I found that um, pretty much once you've broken that ice, everyone's more than willing to, uh, to talk to you about it because they're, it's a unique industry where everyone's interested in what they do and they want to talk about it. Um, so people don't mind bringing their work home per se or going to events and socialising around the industry. Yeah, and I do find that particularly within the agricultural industry, we do like uh, a good social uh, event. I think it's part of that work hard, play hard um, mentality that, that follows people around. Um, Holly, obviously being at Syngenta, um, the Syngenta's placements are known for leading to great networking opportunities and they really encourage it within the, the workplace. Um, how have you found that sort of environment? Is it, do you think it's differed from other um, roles or other situations you found yourself in? Yeah, 100%. I think at Syngenta, like you say, they're very open when it comes to networking. And one of the great things is it's it doesn't matter what level someone's at, they're always open to sort of have a coffee or have lunch with you. And you can sort of drop someone who may be like the head of a department or even the MDS trainees over in Basel, we've had the opportunity to have lunch with the CEO. Um, we also had an opportunity to chat to the crop protection president before he retired. So yeah, many great opportunities to chat to people and sort of learn about the different departments because obviously it's such a huge company. So it's important to be able to have access to that knowledge. And have you found it um, a different experience from that more sort of intimate one-on-one -on -one networking compared to maybe the, the Meet the Trainees event that we host in June every year, where you've got lots of businesses and lots of people all at one type of event? I'd say in one way it's beneficial because you can almost focus on what you're going to speak to that person about. You can be a little more prepared because you know sort of their background and what they work in. Um, I think it varies really obviously at meet the trainees it's great because you get to you don't know who you're going to speak to and you don't know what they're going to ask you so it's nice to have that variety yeah fantastic and Francesca for you what do you think has been the the hardest or the, the most challenging networking experience you've had during your time with MDS are you able to spotlight Francesca so we've got I've got a big view of a room at the moment okay <laughs> That's when I thought I'd fix that. I might have to have another lesson from um, 
Max, I'm just... I'm quite happy looking at a room in there, but I just... It's it a lovely time. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Let me just, I might just have to do them individually. There we go. There, we can see Francesca now. So Francesca, what's been the, the most challenging networking experience for you and how, how have you overcome it? What did you learn from it? I think um, all my experiences so far have been very pleasant. I've had been lucky to speak to some really engaging, enthusiastic people. I think my biggest challenge going into it was kind of links to the question you asked Christine that I really thought that all of the conversations had to be really mutually beneficial they had to get something out of it as well I had to be providing a lot of insight and although you can provide kind of a fresh perspective and change the way that they're thinking about a situation the really great part of it is doing this at the start of our career is they're offering that guidance and their years of expertise or however long they have been in the industry so it's appreciating that element of networking as well sometimes it is just a learning opportunity. I think that was a challenge, but something I'm really glad that I now understand going into future networking conversations. Fantastic. And I'm going to ask this question to everyone eventually, but what do you wish you had known going into your first networking experience? How generous with their time people are. Um, they are genuinely usually very willing to talk to you and that it's not always the most formal interaction. I've had a few walking meetings with different people helping explore the city while I learn a bit more about the role and a few ice cream ones as well because I've got ice cream in the office which is quite a nice casual introduction as well so it's not necessarily such an ominous task it can be really quite gentle and friendly. That's, I think that's fantastic advice um, and the same question to you Holly. I'd say to sort of stay in contact with them people I think sometimes it's easy when you're networking to sort of go oh I've spoken to that person but I've actually had some really great sort of life advice and some opportunities from keeping in contact and I think although Cheska said we're early in our careers so they're often giving us more than we can give them I always keep in mind certain things that people mention so if anything does come up I can help them as much as they've helped me. I think that's fantastic advice. You often do feel that sort of early doors that maybe you don't have much to to contribute, but it's it's really surprising how much um, a different perspective on um, something can benefit all parties involved, and it also helps you in the future if you can go back to them and say, "Oh, I remember you were talking about this, and have you read this article, or did you see this talk um, about this? It might be of interest to you and help you stick in their mind." Um, as yeah, well. exactly. Katie, what do you wish you had known? Um, well, one thing actually, I wish I got LinkedIn sooner than I did. I was from a job hunt perspective of finding new opportunities and ideas um, for that sort of perspective. I felt I was in a lot of dead ends and just needed some fresh ideas, basically. Um, so branching the network out and finding new opportunities would have been beneficial. Yeah. And when did you get your LinkedIn? Uh, I was in the middle of second year at uni, but it was I was trying to um, find a placement year. So I really should have got it at the start of that search rather than right in the middle, panically trying to find something. <laughs> I think, yeah, I definitely think that's something not a lot of students realise the benefit of LinkedIn. They think it's for people who've already got their careers and have got things to say. Um, about themselves but actually it's about following people and 
um, seeing interesting videos and also the job search functions on there are, are fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just finding new ideas. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and Harvey, what about you? What do you wish you'd known? Uh, something that I learned uh, was to have a bit of a cheat sheet on that person that I was going to see. Um, so while it's in Jen, to say book a lunch with someone and you sit down and think, I don't really know much about this person and I've got to entertain them for an hour. Yeah. That similar feeling of I'm taking their time up. So yeah. um, I just do some research. I've run LinkedIn or um, like Yammer, which is like an internal social media. And just to, to know a few things about that person, what they're doing, what they're working with, so that um, you can talk to them about it. And if the conversation runs dry, you can you can bring something else up. Yeah. And then just remembering the, um, the kind of personal details about someone. So if they mention they've got a child or that they enjoy football, there's always like that opportunity to kind of maintain that connection with that thing that you get in common with or asking about how their son got on at their football game or whatnot. It's, um, it's always good to have that bit of background research on people and just to keep tabs of what they've told you and talked about so that you can always go back to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely then. It is, especially if it's somebody you're going to meet regularly within your business, it is hard to keep track of everything that you might want to, to, to say to them. Um, so Arunima, if you were going to give any piece of uh, advice to somebody um, starting networking, what advice would you give them? Um, I think I would say it's quite important to be present with anyone you're talking to, because it can be quite easy. Like for me, I used to think about like, oh, what can I bring up next if this topic dries out or, you know, what if, what if they're, what if I'm taking up too much of their time, that sort of thing. And I think it's sometimes you just need to get rid of all that background noise and worry and just be present. And that way you can really pick up on what they're talking about and what, you know, you can bring to them, how you can progress this conversation. Or sometimes if it's a natural end, you know, you can both go your separate ways. But I think that being present is what really helped relax me as well and take yeah. some of the pressure off in a way. So just being, being natural and enjoying the moment rather than fretting too much about it. Um, Francesca, let's go for you. Same question to you. What piece of advice would you give somebody? I think like has been mentioned, kind of being authentic and engaged are probably the key elements, just showing genuine interest in what they're saying, but taking note and actually paying attention to it. And then I think Harvey gave some really good advice about following up on it and it kind of maintaining that connection. Yeah, it is. And I definitely agree that advice Harvey gave um, is really good. Obviously, don't be there taking notes. It's not an interview uh, session. Um, but having that little bit of time afterwards just to quickly debrief yourself and think, what did I want to take away um, from that session so you can make it as beneficial to, to everybody? Um, Holly, did you, Holly or Katie, do you have anything different you'd like to add in terms of what advice you'd like to give? I think just going off of what Katie said, I'd say to start early um, and also to be open to networking with sort of anyone rather than focusing on a certain area or a certain topic and focusing also on making sure you have your pitch prepared um, and also your body language as well. I think they'd be my main tips. Yeah, that body language one is always somewhere it's quite easy to forget, particularly if you're doing a virtual networking event. Um, whilst they have been fantastic in many ways, 
it's not the most natural way of communicating with people across the screen, but with particularly with people flexi working or um, networking with people from um, overseas on an international basis, it's always quite difficult, I think, just to get that balance of um, virtual body language correct. I still can't get used to not actually making eye contact with anyone and just staring at the little um, smiley face that I've put on the top of my screen to remind me where to look. Katie, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I'd say it can feel daunting, particularly at the start, but just try and not be afraid. And really, at the end of the day, you don't have anything to lose. The worst that can happen, someone says no, but then there's yeah. plenty of other people out there. So, Absolutely. And no one's ever going to get um, cross with you and you never. no one's ever going to want to disregard you completely or blank you. And if they do, they're probably not the people you want to be networking with anyway, I always find. Um, and it is, it's very different. You can be the most confident person in the world and feel very fine going up and giving presentations and talking to large groups of people. But you can always feel that little additional pressure when it's that little bit more focused, that little bit more one-to-one. But everyone's got something to, to contribute um, and hopefully you feel the same way about other people. Well, it's been really interesting to hear all of you talk about your experiences and whilst all your experiences are quite different actually a, a lot of the advice and the, the benefits of what you gain from those experiences have been really similar and it's somehow reassuring I think to know that we're all on the, the same path um, and one day you will be very similar to Christine and people will be coming up saying oh make sure that Arunima, uh, you say hello to her for me and everybody will will know uh, who you are um, and hopefully Christine one day um, maybe it will, networking will calm down for you though I can't ever imagine you uh, taking a, a back burner when it comes to that. Um, Do you want me to come in and pull my notes together now? Yes if you could. Yeah. Oh, I actually, you, you've all been fabulous. You know, you've, it's, it's fantastic. There's been a lot of, it, it, it does feel to me like we've given a very broad view of the differences of networking. And I've tried to pull your points together into, I think the first one is why you would network. And the various points that came on, particularly at the start of your career, that you will learn about the diversity of roles in the industry, that you might actually, if you're representing your company there, pick up some relevant information from your business that uh, senior people are very often prepared to share their time. So get in there and listen to what they've got to say. And many of them are offering guidance. So every time you're speaking to these people, it's a learning opportunity. So I think why do networking? I think you've pulled that out. And I think those are some very key points. And you can sort of get back to me not realizing that, you, that networking was important. And this person said, the trouble with you, Christine, is you don't know how to network. It was because I was missing out on all of that education that you can get by doing so. And I think the various points, not I, I think largely going to cover them in the order that you brought them up, is it's OK to approach people. Everybody is willing to talk. Um, that uh, if, if you show interest in what they're doing, and I think that goes back to my sister's point, ask them questions about themselves. It's very easy to have a conversation. Um, Arumina agreed with me about going alone because um, it forces you to speak to other people. And of course, it doesn't make you look vulnerable. You're an odd number. If you're on your own, you're an odd number. So people will still feel safe coming up and speaking to you. And I also think there's a very good point. I 
think it was Katie said it, apologies, it wasn't, is about staying in contact, or maybe it was Holly, stay in contact with people because there will come a time, this was Holly's point, when you might be able to give things back to them. Um, so, so keep that contact going. Um, and uh, I, I like the, the comment um, about be present, you know, don't be thinking about the next thing, be listening to what they're saying. Um, get rid of the noise and it doesn't matter if they've come to the end of what they were saying and you've got nothing else to say you can say well I'm sure you've got lots of other people you'll need to be speaking to um, thank you very much for your time doesn't matter if you haven't got another question you'll have made more of an impact I think by actually not taking up too much of their time and uh, when you're being present I think the body language point came up as well which I think is probably much more important in our virtual environment um, I like the point about I think it was Harvey saying having a cheat sheet um, if you are going somewhere to network and you're going because you think there might be certain people there from certain businesses, maybe find out a little bit before about them beforehand. The Internet is fabulous. And I have actually gone up to people and said, I understand you've got a narrow boat. And that immediately gets our because I've got one as well. But it immediately gets your conversation going. Um, so, so, you know, a, a cheat sheet about their business or something about their personal life or the fact that they've maybe run a marathon or something, you'll find that on the Internet. So do your research beforehand. And um, if they do tell you something, then um, trying to remember those personal details when you meet them again. Both very good points. Thank, thank you, Harvey. Um, but I think the, uh, uh, the, 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 best, the best point that I think came out for anybody thinking networking is not really for me is what's the worst that can happen is that they don't talk back to you and then Kirsty said but if they don't talk back to you they're not someone you want to network with best advice I think oh that, I think that was really interesting and thank you so much and Christine that's a fantastic roundup of all the things uh, that were discussed one of the difficult things I've realized today is it's very hard to make notes whilst you're trying to host as well and deal with this fortunate screen placements so um, I'll, I'll work on that one for next time. I really want to extend our thanks once again to the MDS trainees. Um, within MDS, they get lots of fantastic networking opportunities and it's something that we really promote because we can really see the benefit it gives them not only in their building their network, but in developing their confidence and their understanding um, of the industry. So thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us. You, you've all been stars and thank you Kirsty, for hosting this can I just get in about the next few meetings I was just going to ask if you would do that so please do <laughs> yeah okay so um we, we meet like this on the first Tuesday of every month and the next one we've got two people both Lucy Wager and Amy Wilkinson who both used to be work at Sainsbury's and Debbie Wynne Stanley one of our steering group used to know them at Sainsbury's but they now both do consulting and the other one does um does coaching and they're going to come and give us some good sort of uh, look at, you know, advice from having been inside the industry. So that's our that's our March first Tuesday in March. And then we've got our um, first in-person event of this year on the 4th of April. And that's at Saddles in London. Thank you very much to them for that. Um, Pinstone, who are a PR and marketing agency, have paid for the under 30s to come for nothing. And our speaker is going to be Susie Dealey who's the chief exec of Rabbi, which is the Royal Agricultural Benevolent Institution. And she's, they've done lots of work on mental health and they've, done, they've got a recent survey. I think she's gonna be talking about that. And mental health awareness and issues in the farming industry are huge. And I think it will be a hugely important talk and I expect that we will all learn quite a lot from it. 
And, uh, you know, within the next couple of months, we will have our new website and uh, we've got a speaker calendar that almost takes us to the end of December. So um, we are getting lots of people that want to come and talk to us, which is all very exciting. And, uh, you know, so, so I think the thing is to keep in touch with us. Thank you very much to Beanstalk Global for hosting this for us. Max has been supporting us for over two years now and uh, he, want, he wants to stop. Um, he'll be supporting us in the background, but wants to stop hosting these and we'll be moving those over onto our website soon. And um, so thank, that's, the, that's all from me, Kirsty. So thank you. But let thank you, you all very much. Um, uh, links for the Eventbrite for the Women in Food and Farming live event will be going out shortly. Um, so uh, please do make sure you, you register for that. And there will be the free under 30 tickets available um, as well sponsored by um, Kimstone very kindly. Um, if anybody would like any further information on how to uh, get the newsletters, you can um, contact me directly through the MGS uh, website as well, and I'll be more than happy to help anyone else. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Um, uh, good evening and well done. Bye all. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. It's brilliant. Thank you.